You're listening to the North Country Conservation Series. I am your host, Whitney Lewis, from the Coas County Conservation District. Join me as we explore local conservation-based careers in forestry, wildlife, fisheries, conservation law enforcement, soil science, agriculture, and many more. Follow along as we investigate these careers, examine relationships and impacts, reflect on the history of Coas County, and discover what conservation is and why it's truly important as we look towards the future. Welcome to the North Country Conservation Series. I am Whitney Lewis, your host from the Coas County Conservation District. I am here with three wonderful men, with Andy Schaefermeyer from New Hampshire Fish and Game Fisheries Biologist, with Dave Falkenham from Landvest, a forester from Hampshire and Vermont, also Wayne Saunders, retired fishing game CEO and Operation Game Thief, and also Warden's Watch podcast superstar. Thank you, gentlemen, for being here today. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Whitney. <laughs> You're welcome. So let's get started. Andy, so introductions. Can you explain to me what your job title is and how many years you have been in the field? Sure. Um, as mentioned, my name is Andy Schaefermeyer, and uh, I am a fisheries biologist with the New Hampshire Fishing Game Department. Uh, I've been with the department uh, for a long time. I just started my 27th year, um, and for the most part, uh, my job entails um, maintaining the sport fisheries that exist in New Hampshire uh, through, you know, management techniques and through research, um, and it's pretty awesome. Sweet. That's great. Yep. Thank you. Dave, would you like to explain, please? Uh, yes, my name is David Falkenham. Um, I'm a forest manager. Um, I work for Landvest, which is a consulting firm um, throughout the country, really, but I work main, I work really in, in Vermont, New Hampshire. And for the most part, we manage, manage landscapes, um, whether it's an ownership, a large ownership of 100,000 acres, who's a client of ours, um, or might be a 30-acre parcel. It's it's literally pieces of land that people own or, or entities own, and we manage their resources, whether it be running logging operations, doing wildlife habitat work, uh, building roads to do both of those things, um, contracting with, with mowing and so forth to manage these resources, often for public benefit, but sometimes only for private benefit as well. It depends on the landowner. Awesome. Cool. Thank you. Wayne, would you like to explain your job title and how many I years you've been in the field? I don't know if I can follow up, Dave. That sounded pretty uh, technical and complicated and <laughs> long-lasting effects. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, no, uh, definitely. Um, conservation officer started in 1995. Uh, came up through the ranks. I was a sergeant, a lieutenant. Uh, retired, uh, and then I felt like I jumped off a cliff because... Being a game warden is the most awesome job in the world. So after I jumped off this cliff, I'm like, what do I do now? And I was too young to not do anything, and I, I'm always always active. You can ask the guys that worked for me. I always had something to do and was always too busy, but I like being busy. So I was actually at a hunter safety course with Jill Kelly. I can never remember her married name. Kilborn. 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 <laughs> yes, thank you. Jill Kilborn. Join the crowd. She brought up. The Meat Eater podcast, and I was like, that's Ooh. the first time I had heard of a podcast, so on the way home, I actually dialed it in and listened to it, and as I'm thinking, I'm like, you know, I could do this. I could talk about being a game warden. I could talk to game wardens. I have connections around the country and into Canada, 
and I could tell people about it and kind of springing off Northwood's Law because we'd been on film and I'd been with these film crews and telling a story. And now I'm like, I could do the behind the scenes of Northwood's Law was my plan. And it's actually done very well and that's what we've done. So that's that's where I am now. I'm a, I'm a podcaster, but I'm a fishing game podcaster, a game warden podcaster. And then that kind of developed into a podcast called The Thin Green Line, where we bring supporters of conservation law enforcement in to talk about their stories. Because I want game wardens to be very specific and just kind of hone in on that so that doesn't get mixed up. Because we had some very high-profile uh, people uh, come in and say, hey, we'd love to be on your podcast. And here's Wayne saying, no, I, I don't really want Jack Carr, who's a thriller writer, former Navy SEAL, and Amazon just picked up his series to go on Amazon Prime. Now, Jack, I, I don't really want you on our, because I'm, I'm specific to game wardens. I'm like, how can we br incorporate these people that are very high profile and contribute just as much as conservation as game wardens do? So that's why we started the Thin Green Line one. So That's awesome. I'm going to yeah. have, to, have to listen to that one. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it's been fun. Colonel Oliver North joined us. Uh, we got some uh, pretty exciting guests coming up, too. So cool. uh, I'm excited about it. it it's definitely been different for me to engage something outside just the game warden arena, which has been fun for me personally. So, Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You guys have some awesome jobs, and I'm very excited that you're here with me. We're glad to be here. Very happy. Very happy. Thank you. So we'll start again with Andy. Where did you go to college, and what is your degree? Okay, uh, I went to the University of New Hampshire and got a bachelor's degree in wildlife biology. Um, I'm not sure whether or not Dave Falcon and I am and I went to college at the same time, but I think we did. I graduated. We may have. I graduated from UNH in 1994. Right around when I was born. <laughs> I graduated in 1995. Wow. Okay. <laughs> we were there walking over we each other. We were there around the same time. If I was a year older than you, I probably bought beer for you. Mm. Potentially. So. Potentially. But I actually was 21 when I started college. So. Okay. <laughs> right. You only want buying beer? Me. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, again, I, my degree is in wildlife biology and. Uh, when I graduated, one of the first jobs I was able to get was actually in the fisheries division. Um, so I took it, obviously, and I wasn't sure where my career was headed at that point, but I, I had a, a real, I just really liked it. I fit in. I, I'm more of a fisherman than a hunter. I do both, but, uh, and I've been in the fisheries division ever since. Nice. That's awesome. Thank you. All right, Dave, where did you go to college and what's your degree? <laughs> well, Andy already told my story. So I graduated from UNH um, in 1995. I actually was in the military before that. So oh, I was nice. in Operation Desert Storm um, before that. So I was 21 when I entered school. I was a non-traditional student. Um, I felt very untraditional because um, I could buy beer for myself. That's right. <laughs> um, I got a degree in, in um Forest management, really technically forest science, um, with a minor in water resource management. Um, later on, I started my career with the, with the Division of Forests and Lands, sharing an office with these two gentlemen, or an office building with these two gentlemen, um, and did that for 12 years. I've been doing forestry for 25 years, and then I moved to Cooperative Extension in Grafton County as the county forester, at which point I got a master's degree in uh, environmental conservation. Wow, that's awesome. Conservation, education, um, that sort of they, they give it the, the title of um, master's in education, but it was, I, I had a very um, conservation slur to it. Right. Um, so I just call it environmental education. Nice. I like that. That's awesome. And thank you so much for serving our country. We appreciate it. No problem. It was <laughs> a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right, Wayne, where did you go to college and what's your degree? 
I went to the State University of New York, which is a SUNY school, and I have a degree of Fisheries and Wildlife Technology. So that, that's just an associate's, and I say just an associate's. My, my goal was to be a game warden, so I hit the requirements. And then, you know, from there I went on as a national park ranger, and I bounced around the country. I worked in seven different states as a federal officer, and uh, just had some the best experiences of my life, whitewater rafting in West Virginia, working in Virginia right on the beach, Astig Island National Seashore, uh, Apostle Islands National Lakeshore. So I, I think I got better education after college in what I wanted to do. And, and learning all these techniques. The Park Service is a great thing, you know, they give you a part-time job and then they give you, you know, half a million dollar boat to run or something. Um, and they give you all the training to go with it. Don't give me, they don't just hand you the keys and a gun and say, <laughs> go for it. That's good, that's good but training. <laughs> <laughs> but with all that training and everything, I, I had quite the resume when I came in to, to being a game warden. And all the time I'm taking game warden tests all over the country because it wasn't really specific to New Hampshire at the time. I just knew what the job I wanted and I, that's what I was going to get, so. Um, yeah. That's so awesome. Thank you. Mm. <laughs> okay, back to Andy. So did you always want to be where you are with your career now when you were growing up? Okay, growing up, uh, that's a tough question to answer. Uh, about the time high school was coming to a close, I knew I was headed to college, and I, I thought what I wanted to do more than anything was just play baseball. I didn't really care what I studied. Uh, it turns out I'm not a very good baseball player, oh, no. so I needed a fallback. Um, and I think it was a high school guidance counselor that told me that you, you could study fish and wildlife in college, which strangely I was totally unaware of at the time. Mm -hmm. um, so I went into my freshman year with a declared major of, of wildlife biology. Um, you know, and, and, and I flirted with the idea of, you know, law enforcement because, you know, when you go into that program, you have a few options when you come out, you know, to be a biologist or to be a teacher or to be, uh, you know, in law enforcement in some type. So I was open-minded. I was willing to accept any of them. Uh, but like I said earlier, the first job that I was able to get after graduation uh, was uh, in the fisheries division with New Hampshire Fish and Game. And the cool part about it was it was actually a fish hatchery in Warren, New Hampshire, um, and when hatcheries, uh, hatcheries, th they staff themselves so that someone's there 24 hours a day in, mm -hmm. in case of any type of emergency. So when I accepted that job, it came with housing, uh, which was really cool. So in the first three or four years of my career in fishing game, you know, I, I lived on site. I was able to, you know, pay off all my student loans and, and Ooh, basically. that's nice. It, w it was awesome. And like I mentioned, uh, I've been in the fisheries division ever since. Cool. Yep. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing. Sure. All right, Dave, so did you always want to be where you were at with your career now when you were growing up? When I was um, a slightly misguided teenager, I had a conversation with my dad and told him that I wanted a job where I could be in the woods all the time, have a dog with me, and hunt and fish all I wanted. And his basic comment to me was, Good luck. <laughs> so he's a re he's a retired physician. He's so done he pretty well. He's, yeah. he's a retired physician, and I kind of joke about that with him because, in a way, as Wayne said, I I kind of did it. You did. Um, but so I was I was fast forward a few years to when I was in the military. I was on a plane to South Korea, um, a military charter, so it wasn't an enjoyable flight. Um, and we had a stopover in Alaska, and. Um, I as we I was in the airport briefly. I, they, there's some neat things, you know, big stuffed grizzly bears and so forth. Oh my! Um, <laughs> things that are if you get a chance to go to the Alaska airport, that's the one to go to because it's really mm. cool. And then of course when you fly out of Alaska, this was in Anchorage. You you know you see the mountains, you see everything. I'm headed to Korea. I'm not headed to Alaska. But I started to sort of develop this like I want to work outside still. Um, 
So when I got out of the military, I was accepted to UNH, and I actually started in marine biology. Oh, wow. Why? Because I had to come up with something. And, <laughs> um <laughs> I, I don't I still don't know why it was marine, but it was really you know you start off in biology because they they hammer you with all the biological courses, chemistry and everything else and all those terrible things, um, and it w- didn't take too long for me to realize maybe this is the wrong path I've chosen. This is I don't, I don't know about this, and I started mingling with some of the forestry crew, and I actually managed to run into um, like a like a um, one of the directors in the forestry department, and he explained to me what forestry is and the degree program there. And then all of a sudden it kind of started to come together late in my freshman year at UNH and said, wait a minute, this is kind of cool. So he, so he reassigned me from biology to forestry mm-hmm. and um, within a semester and anyone who's taken natural resource classes can tell you, you're hooked. I mean, I, I think I think I took tree identification in in the fall or something. Or there was a bunch of different classes that just we were just absolutely hooked. Um, it really is the jobs we do are probably the best there are, um, and the training for them is the best there is. And it was it was kind of like then in college, late in my freshman year, I might have been a total of 22 at the time when it it started to click. And it's. The rest is kind of kind of worked pretty well. Um, the dog is there. I was gonna <laughs> say, what do you have for a um, dog? What's several the name? several dogs <laughs> have been. Several say. dogs in history have been there. Um, That's awesome. And so I'm in the woods a lot, a lot, a lot, um, as we all are. That's awesome. What do you have for a dog right now? Right now, a very old, a very energetic black lab. Oh, He's wonderful. As blind as a bat, deaf as a stone, uh, but he just he just goes and goes. And I always seem to have had these guys. Now I've always had labs. I've had mm-hmm. three blacks. Um, and a yellow lab, usually in pairs. Yep. So nice. That's awesome. I have a chocolate lab, so I agree. I there love labs. <laughs> they are very. They're a good forestry dog because they're just kind of, they're pretty mellow. Um, this one's not as mellow, but um, <laughs> they're not focused like like you're in the woods trying to do work and they're not thinking about hunting and off somewhere. They're 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 usually usually with you. Um, good. I've got a few experiences <laughs> with them. Um, but it's it's also when I worked for the state, when I was sharing an office with these guys, my take on it was that was my companion in the woods if I was alone, Absolutely. which I often often am. So you have a dog with you. I don't think, you know, they'd ever pull a lassie and save your life. But if something happens, mm-hmm. you have them uh, with you to at least spend the time with. It makes a big difference. Absolutely. Um, and it's just good entertainment. For sure. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing. Wayne. So you're up next. I know. It's cool listening to these guys because it's, it's, he listened to their stories. They found their way and looking at their careers going through and how content they seem to be right now. It's, it's pretty awesome just to sit down and have this chat with these guys. I agree. I'm learning yeah. so much about you guys and we're only in the introduction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, awesome. So did you always want to be where you were at um, where you are now? Yes, I, I, I guess. Um, as At about six years old, I had... During a hunting incident, my and I shouldn't say incident because that's an investigation into something else. But <laughs> as a child, <laughs> uh, and at six years old, I was hunting with my dad, and we were grouse hunting. And a grouse flies up, and my dad starts to stalk it down a, a woods road. And all of a sudden, I hear like a little something behind me. I look behind me, and here's this guy. 
standing there with a big Stetson on and a green uniform. Oh. And just just put yourself at, at six years old in the woods. Uh, your dad's, you know, you're supposed to be quiet because the grouse just came up and he's starting to stalk it. And you turn around, there's this guy with a Stetson there and he's got a badge <laughs> on. So it's, it's a shiny gold badge. And, I, and I'm sitting there, I'm looking at this guy and I'm not saying a word. And as a matter of fact, I think he put his, you know, be quiet, you know. And so I'm just chilling as my dad's stalking and, and then the bird never went up again. He came back and there's the game warden and he checked my dad's license in the woods and we walked from our house too so there wasn't a vehicle to go check on or anything but he was mm -hmm. just in the woods and when when he left i said hey dad who's the cowboy in the woods because of that stetson right. so that's always been a theme in my life and i i think i started getting a little distracted growing up because that's from six years old i wanted to be that cowboy in the woods and i started doing ride-alongs with the local sergeant sergeant brian and just kind of committed my life. But at the same time, I was an electrician's apprentice. So at 18 years old, I had a, you know, I was, I was driving a truck, a take-home truck, and I was running a crew of electrical guys. So, and my boss wanted me to take over like half the business. And you know, electricians make a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> but drilling a hole one day with a whole bunch of crap coming down in my face, I'm like, yeah, this, I got to be a game warden. I got to <laughs> follow. This isn't working. Yeah, follow your <laughs> heart. And that's working. exactly what I'm listening to these guys that they did. They followed their heart, and that's what I did too I continued to follow my heart and that pulled me towards that that conservation law segment you know the management side is so much in, and we work so close to management with enforcement because it goes hand in hand in conservation mm -hmm. so it's it's so cool to have forestry fisheries and Andy does a little more wildlife than he likes to admit to <laughs> like <do>. <laughs> <laughs> he, he does have gills but he, he he is definitely it does the wildlife thing too I do so I I, I think I'm there um yeah, did I ever see myself podcasting? Yeah, I don't. I don't think that was even a thought. <laughs> was podcasting even known of back in the nineties? <laughs> no, no, not it was an opportunity oh. that I jumped at. I'm known for jumping at opportunities. So <laughs> for sure, that's awesome. I'm really proud of you to overcome any technical obstacles and learning how to be a with podcast. Me. There was a lot. <laughs> yeah, and do it. That's that's and, awesome. And there still is a lot. <laughs> Absolutely, I'm sure you could even teach me more about it. Oh, <laughs> I've done some interviews with the the guys that I supervised. And they're like, uh, Lieutenant, you're like, a, you know, you're a geek squad guy now. Oh, no. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't even know how to take that. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, you, all of you, you are absolutely wonderful. Everyone is so successful here. And I think that's so great. And it makes me think about, you know, my own story growing up as a kid and, and where I'm at now. So it's, it's nice to see everyone's following their dreams and it's definitely working out for your careers. So awesome. Thank you all for sharing. Andy, so what was the highlight of your career? Okay. Uh, let's see what is the highlight of my career. Because if is? we say what was, and that, that might imply that there are no highlights left. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I hope, I hope there are millions. <laughs> Up is, to this uh, point, Andy. Is it, isn't this a highlight, working together? <laughs> I was How much career is left? <laughs> I was going to say that. I was going to say that this is. Um, th there have been a lot. There have really been a lot. But I would say if I had to list one of, you know, of the top three or four, uh, it was becoming a biologist. Um, and without going into a lot of detail, uh, the, the, the the title of being a biologist is something that requires a certification. So in the New Hampshire Fish and Game Department, uh, you start with your minimum education requirements, and it requires a master's degree, which I don't have. So luckily, within our department, uh, we're able to substitute years of experience for years of education, and actually mm -hmm. vice versa. Uh, when you go into a job interview, if you have either or, they, they'll generally overlap. So after I had four years of experience, um, 
I, I wanted quickly to become a biologist, um, and it required taking an exam and uh, things like that, and fortunately, it worked out. Um, so prior to that, my title was a fisheries technician, mm -hmm. which was great, but really great, but uh, it wasn't hoity-toity enough for me. So uh, when, when I could call myself a biologist, I was very proud. That's awesome. Yeah. Congratulations. Oh, it was 100 years ago. <laughs> well, you're wow. looking good. Well, thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. He's aged well. <laughs> Dave, what's the highlight of your career? That's interesting, the word, the term highlight of the career. Honestly, it, it, it is the career. Mm -hmm. um, it, it really is. And I, I'm fortunate in that. Just through a series of events in the 25 years I've been doing this, um, I've worked with a tremendous number of people. I've shared an office with these guys for 12 years, um, right down the hall. If I wanted something, information about fish, wildlife, law enforcement, anything, I could take 50 steps or less. And That's I, awesome. I had that. And the office there, and it's truly a one-stop shopping. Um, and that was reciprocal, event. too, if, if we had questions about yeah. anything. Yeah, and we spent a lot of time in each other's offices. So I've worked with some pretty amazing people, but I've also worked in New York, in northern New York, as a forest manager for Paul Smith's College. I've worked for um, the Cooperative Extension as a county forester. Um, and now I'm, now I'm a consultant. Um, so I'm ticking a lot of boxes. And I never intended to, like, I never had a list of boxes I wanted to tick. But it's just been around a lot of really interesting things. And it's hard to just pinpoint one thing. I've, I, I ran a student logging crew in, in, at Paul Smith College. That's I don't awesome. know of any other forces who have run a student log, like students are logging. Mm -hmm. That's we're awesome. Cutting trees down, we're selling them, we're making money for the college. That's cool. Um, mm. So that, you know, it's, it's, it's things like that as I kind of look back and, um, and think about it. It's just, how do you pick one thing? I can pick the scariest moment or the coldest moment or the funniest moment <laughs> or the most embarrassing moment, maybe. I can't wait to um, hear about that one, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Neither can I. <laughs> but um, to, to the highlight is it is the career. And I think we've been discussing that. It's just people and natural resources, It's if they're fortunate and they, they you know, dreams don't come without hard work, we've all Absolutely. busted some butt here. So, But we've followed those dreams and made them happen for the most part. Um, and I think that's that's it's just a fun career. It may not pay the best or may, you know, people say that, but really what does that mean? Mm -hmm. um, but we've all just the number of people I've worked with and the different places I've been and the different landscapes I've been on and emphasis on landscapes. Absolutely. Even Paul Smith College, I visited that campus once. It's absolutely beautiful over there in New York. They they say that if, as far as enrollment goes, so I was in academia for a while, so enrollment was a big big thing because that pays your, pays your paycheck. Mm -hmm. um, they say, I think it's 85%. If they can, of the, of the, the people they court to come there, if they can get them on mm -hmm. campus, 85% of them will apply. They will be there. Absolutely. So because it's it really is an amazing place. Mm -hmm. Not always in the winter. <laughs> a it's little a chilly. a little hard in the winter. <laughs> I bet that wind blows pretty yeah. good across the lake yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> across awesome. the lakes, the Great Lakes. Lake yes. effect snow. Yeah. <laughs> the snow is daunting. I grew up in, I grew up in Lancaster. Mm -hmm. I've been here my whole life, and that was a brief interlude into New York, and I can tell you the snow there is daunting. Really? You know, it's uh, feet at a time. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. And in the in northern, so this was this is Paul Smith, northern New York, it's it's cold, really cold, so it stays and it collects. Like, I can mean, just remember my dogs running into the driveway and then just looking up and just being like, oh, my God, 
I, I can't leave. I can't <laughs> leave this driveway. The right. snowbanks are six feet high. Oh my goodness! Yeah. They must have some and pretty we look awesome at old plow pictures. Every once in a there. while, you know, Facebook <laughs> sends us a, a picture of whatever three years ago, and you just mm-hmm. go, oh, "Wow!" wow. You know, a picture of my wife moving wood from the from the shed to the house, and literally the snowbank, not the pushed snow, the snow level is at her shoulders. Yikes! Yeah. It's, so oh. I've been in some interesting places. I guess so. Thank you for sharing. I was going to ask you because I saw your Paul Smith College hat on. So yeah, well, I was curious what the connection was. This is a light hat. <laughs> <laughs> Just wondering the age yeah, And on it's that funny. Hat. You talk to the students who've been to Paul Smith and they'll tell you the same thing. They're like, oh, my God, the winters. Oh, my God. It just never stops snowing. And it's, it's, it's fun. <laughs> awesome. It's a fun place. Great hunting. Ooh, awesome. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> uh, all right, Wayne. So what's the highlight of your career? Uh, and, and, and like Dave, it, it's kind of a, a process that highlight. Uh, Operation Game Thief probably was my highlight. And I like taking things that are pretty low on the totem pole or haven't had a lot of attention in a long time and building them up into something that is amazing. You know, mm-hmm. and that's what I did with Operation Game Thief. Several other projects throughout Fishing Game, the Airboat Team, I, I developed that at, from nothing out of the ashes. I called it. It was a phoenix out of the ashes that we developed that team again um, because our airboat was in such rough shape when we took it over. But Operation Game Thief was very similar to that, is that it was like a one eight hundred number when I took it over. And wow. You know, no one understood what Operation Game Thief was anymore, and so I took from from a one eight hundred number. We developed a, a Facebook page with it, which was called the Dead Animal Page, which kind of hurt my feelings. Oh, that sounds that's terrible. It was horrible. <laughs> it was horrible. And uh, But that's what it was. It was a lot of dead animal cases. So I, I, I reached out to the colonel. I said, hey, colonel, can we interact with the law enforcement division and become the law enforcement division Operation Game Thief Facebook page? And he said, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. We'll promote the division. We'll promote that. And so we started doing that, and that just took off. That just developed that Facebook page as an engaging site, A, for Operation Game Thief to get our message out. It's just not a 1-800 number, but it is about reporting wildlife violations mm-hmm. and, and getting those into the officers, quality wildlife uh, you know, information and getting those to the officers and, and making cases on them, but also the interaction with the officers. And then to develop that into uh, joining with International Wildlife Crime Stoppers. So there's, there's a nonprofit group called International Wildlife Crime Stoppers that most states are actually part of. So New Hampshire actually joined that. And I did a grant through the Wildlife Heritage Foundation to, to, get to attend this conference. And that was That's a awesome. feat in itself because you have to sell that. You have to say, hey, why is going to a conference such a big deal? And it's about connections. It's making about connections. Mm-hmm. And going to those conferences, I looked at successful wildlife operation game thieves, turn in a poacher, tip lines, because each state usually has some form of it, mm-hmm. and it's what they pour into it is really what it is. Some are just state entities. Uh, they're reporting, and some are nonprofit boards. And when I look at those nonprofit boards, I saw taking the sportsmen and women and interjecting them and helping wildlife law enforcement officers. And that made a difference. Texas is huge. Um, Idaho is huge. Maine is huge. So mm-hmm. what I did is I took their tin plates, and I didn't recreate the wheel. I, I basically took what they had and said, hey, let's go with this because this is what's working nationally and internationally in Canada. Uh, right. Some of the Canadian provinces have, you know, nonprofit boards that are very successful as well. Awesome. So I, I, I got key people. I got the, the board. I got the green light. We created a nonprofit. 
And today, Operation Game Thief acts as a nonprofit and works with the law enforcement division in New Hampshire specifically, and we are still members of International Wildlife Crime Stoppers. And I actually got so involved with that that I became a president of Wildlife Crime Stoppers. Uh, wow, awesome. So, and that was great. And basically, that means you run the conference that year. <laughs> so, <laughs> very prestigious. And it, it was. It had a lot of good things. But, you know, we did the conference, conference back in 2017. We did it in uh, North Conway. Huge success. Uh, everybody still talks about it today. Uh, and it was great to bring all these wildlife law enforcements from around the nation into North Conway and show them what New Hampshire has to offer because we are a spectacular state. We are. I love it here. From the coast <laughs> to the mountains. We, everything. we got everything in a short little box and a well, short little window. And that's what everybody said. I We went up the Cog Railway to the top of Mount Washington. And oh, these people beautiful. from Texas... They were just overwhelmed. They they just they they, they still they're like yeah, that Mount Washington trip just blew our minds. Absolutely. You know, and, and it would. You know, you're from this little Texas. I mean, you can see for eight, you know five. <laughs> you can see. You, know, you can't Mexico see mountains. <laughs> it's all flat. <laughs> I bring it to the highest point in the East Coast. These guys are like, holy. Boy, <laughs> I can see stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the ocean over there. <laughs> that's Canada over there. Yeah, they were they were overwhelmed. So awesome. New Hampshire made its mark with International Wildlife Crime Stoppers and still does today. And that 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 program just developed into so much. We met with African. Uh, people that came over to study wildlife law enforcement in the United States. So uh, they, the, the World uh, Affairs would uh, reach out to me, and I'd go down to Concord, open up the Operation Game Thief trailer that we show mm -hmm. our cases and stuff and meet with African delegations as well as uh, Chinese delegations. I met with a Chinese wow. delegation. and yeah, It's just very, That's very – it expanded me as a person as well, and it gave me a lot of context to, to help with the podcast too so I can reach out to those people that I've gained – you know, friendships through that Absolutely. and uh, use them to tell their stories and tell their state stories and promote wildlife law enforcement. That's amazing. Mm. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Well said. <laughs> yes. Thank you. All right. So we're going to kind of flip it around. Now, Andy, <clears throat> what is the hardest time in your career? What's the hardest thing you faced? Okay. Uh, it's hard to answer this question without sounding kind of crotchety, but uh, the, the, the hardest part of my career is dealing with people. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. So, but well, I'll put it into context. Uh, I, I could spend an entire day either in a boat or in a river or in anything, you know, just really, really in touch with the project I'm involved with and the resource that I'm tasked to manage. Uh, and then, you know, it could be four o'clock in the afternoon. I'm getting in my truck, and, and someone walks up with with either a, a critique or a criticism or a comment or a complaint or something along those lines. Um, and it's it's easy to quickly realize how frustrating that is because mm -hmm. everything had been going so great, um, and and you're really in your element, right? Mm -hmm. So, managing fisheries in New Hampshire, it, it's almost like having eight or ten children. So what that oh means? My. What that means is, uh, <laughs> I'm tasked. Yeah, Whitney's with picturing this. She's <laughs> like, that's impossible, Andy. Sure. My husband might like that, but no. <laughs> I bet your grandmother did it. Yeah, right. God bless them. I don't know how they did. Well, we, should, we should ask her advice too. Then. Uh, but the the metaphor I was trying analogy. to. <laughs> what I was trying to illustrate was, uh, it, it's my job as a manager of, of especially sport fisheries to try to make everyone happy. So there'll be a group of guys that that wants a pond to be or fly fishing only, barbless hooks, you know, catch and release, or, or even water bodies that are closed altogether to protect them. You know, they're, they're elitist fishermen. Uh, and, and on the opposite side of that spectrum, 
you know, it could be an old guy who wants to take his grandson out with a worm and a treble hook. And, and my job is to, to do what's right for the resource, but at the same time, keep my constituents happy. And, mm-hmm. and, and all my constituents are different, like children, like I said. So it often involves compromise. Uh, I, I'll say, here, here's a water body for you, and here are the, are the, the management regulations that, that you'd like to see put on it. That's yours. Now you over here. Here's a, here's a water body that that you can you you can undertake the, those methods and 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 you know dates and things that you want to want to use too, um, and all of that has to be governed by by science and and it has to be governed in a way that uh, you know allows it to perpetuate. You know, I mean I mean there are people that like to kill fish. It is what it is, uh, but obviously if everyone liked to kill fish or if I managed every water body, uh, you know, like that. The, the resource would eventually deplete itself. So getting back to the original question, the hardest part of my job is occasionally dealing with people. Absolutely. I'd rather be, I'd rather be left alone with, <laughs> with a slimy fish. <laughs> uh, Thank uh, you for sharing. I, yeah, sure. I, I hope, uh, again, I didn't come off as too crotchety sa- on that one. No, yeah. no, I think it's safe well. to say that 90% of natural resource management is people management. Mm-hmm. It, whether you're law mm-hmm. enforcement, fisheries, Absolutely. wildlife, well said. forestry, yeah. um, it really is we we manage something for somebody else and 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 many of those somebody else's absolutely um, those whether they're eight kids or not i don't know but <laughs> um, <laughs> absolutely thank you go ahead dave explain a little more please so on, on i guess on a similar note um i'm not quite as crotchety as andy i've known andy a while and he's crotchety it's but <laughs> and it's getting worse every year yeah yep. he talks to, he talks to the slimy fish by the way I but that, the funniest thing the fish talks back um <laughs> Is is dealing again on that same note, dealing with the different objectives of every land owner. You mm-hmm. know, it might be a private landowner that literally wants to maximize the revenue on their on their land. Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't agree with this, but we're, we'll work with you and do this. Um, and, w- and we do. We have a few that are just as staunch as just keep me from getting arrested. I'm going to log my land the way I want. Your job is to keep me from from to keep me in the law. Ooh. Barely. No pressure. Yep. Um, and, you know, don't like the, having a lot of those. We don't, fortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, but the next landowner literally may not want to cut a stick. If you mention the word cutting a stick, you mention anything regarding that, they're, they're staunchly dead set against it. Ooh. You have to flip the switch, work with this guy. I don't work as much in the public anymore, but I do work with a lot of conservation easements and so forth. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of like back in the realm again of being a public land manager, um, working on easement land, specifically um, Pittsburgh um, yep. and the Randolph Community Forest. Yep. Um, so you're managing it for, for the people. Mm-hmm. You know, A lot of these resources are managed for the people. If I, if I have to manage your private land for your needs and your private land for your needs, that's actually not that big a deal. But when mm-hmm. you start involving and it, it really is wonderful. Wonderful things about New Hampshire is all the conservation projects going on in this state. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're the one on the ground managing that, um, you have to meet this person's need. I have to balance timber harvesting with snowmobiles. Mm, um, a lot of different stakeholders. You know, and that's challenging because both of those things are very dangerous. You know, snowmobiles can be dangerous and logging can be dangerous. Mm-hmm. They really shouldn't be mixed together. But. Um, they often are in the same landscape and and the snowmobilers come up they don't understand you know what what's going on with logging they've come to snowmobile of course they have they don't mm-hmm. understand there's logging going on um, but it's not just that it's just even um, people driving in the summer on gravel roads may not understand the log trucks um, mm-hmm. are on 
on these properties. So again, 90%, 95% of, of this business, whether it's either one of us in this room, is people management. Absolutely. Thank you for elaborating on that for sure. Wayne, let me hear your thoughts on, on this. Well, I, I could continue down that <laughs> road. <laughs> we can, we can switch third, it up too. So we can switch it up. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, working so closely with these guys with management uh, goals and things like that, you know, law enforcement is always the teeth in it. So, um, unfortunately, we get to deal with uh, people um, on a not so friendly basis at times as well. You know, I've been sued civilly, I've uh, been shot, I've been, you yeah. know, there's so many people management things that, you know, when, yeah, when you're the teeth you, you in deal it. with the angry people. We <laughs> just deal with the kind <laughs> of surly well, people. There's a difference between surly and truly angry and armed. Yes. R- right. Yes. And, 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 and that being people. said, 90% of the people are great people that we work with. It is. So, right. And, and we, we get a lot Absolutely. of enjoyment out of those people. It's it's the 10% of people that these guys refer to me. So. But. <laughs> 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 Getting back to the specific question, what was that, Whitney, again? I, I lost my listening to their <laughs> answers. That's totally so fine. I lost myself in the question. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. usually just getting my one question and moving on. Now I'm like, what was that but question again? <laughs> what is the hardest time of your career? The hardest time of my career. So, again, I alluded to getting shot in 1997. That that was a hard time. That, that yeah. never, you know, when I think back on my career, that, w- that was a tough time. It put me out of work. It put me up against a lot of emotions that I never dealt with. It put Absolutely. me through counseling. Uh, but it solidified my desire to be a game warden. And that's that's the real part that, it, you know, put me back in the saddle again. And uh, it's kind of solidified that. But that, that was a daunting year-long process um, that had to deal with a lot of emotions with friends getting killed in the line of duty and still mm-hmm. deal with today, uh, as well right. as the physical aspects. And uh, I will say, you know, I had the best physical care ever. Um, Dartmouth did an awesome job and then physical therapist I always say my physical therapist was the only woman that ever made me cry and she <laughs> that's okay though it's a, that's a good thing get she would get out. in there and break up scar tissue like nobody's business and mm-hmm. my eyes would start to water and it was it was rough and uh yeah yeah she she made me cry almost on a daily basis for a while so that's good you gotta get it out there men can cry yeah it's okay it's yeah, good i try not to but <laughs> 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 but yeah that was that was an undaunting time uh you know and it would be for any you know we've had a recent in line of shooting too up in the north country Absolutely. and it's it's a daunting time for everybody it's daunting to go through it it's daunting for the communities um you know because they were certainly affected and they certainly Mm -hmm. are affected when one of their law enforcement officers gets injured Mm -hmm. um, or shot by somebody a bad person for sure absolutely what would you say to i know with the recent episode up here in the north country in in dalton what would you say to the state troopers family or anyone going through that with a family member being shot in the line of duty (sighs) there's so many different things not one case is the same mm-hmm. so he's alive and that's the most awesome thing you can you can Absolutely. get so we've had other families that have had to deal with in the line of duty deaths and that that's that's tragic and that's what their friends deal with and everything so the bottom line you know i say to myself when i feel pain in my shoulder mm-hmm. and stuff like that is it could be a lot worse Absolutely. it could be a lot worse and i, I got to remember that because i start feeling like geez it's me it's me so but you know you know Different people go through different things. Uh, my incident isn't going to be the same as his incident, mm-hmm. and nor is his emotions because we're different people. And, and to find out how you're going to deal with it, I mean, some people can deal with it and say, hey, that's that's my job. That That's what I was paid for. I was paid 
to enforce the laws. I wasn't paid to put myself out there to, you know, unfortunately I got shot. I, so unfortunately I had to kill somebody in the line of duty. Mm -hmm. But that is what my job is. And they can move on from there. And other people have a real hard time with it. So depending the type of person you are and how that affects you, it, it's very different. And, and I didn't just come up with that. You know, I did a lot of counseling and worked through a lot of issues yeah. that I didn't even know were issues. Mm -hmm. That was the funny thing. It, I just didn't know they were issues. And, you know, when things start being brought out and, uh, yeah, so it, it was interesting. I didn't want to go to counseling. I didn't want to go mm -hmm. to counseling. Didn't want to fought it all the way right to open the door. And I open it up and there's a woman there. And I'm like, I can't talk to a woman. There's no way I can talk to him. And five minutes later, I'm spilling my gut story. So uh, <laughs> I, I gave myself every reason not to do it. And then after and, and reflecting back, the best thing I ever did. It was so, the best absolutely. thing you did. And, and it got awesome. me, you know, set back on a career, you know, a successful 23-year career. So, awesome. um, yeah, so it's hard to answer that specific question because it's so many different things that come into it absolutely thank so. you for for answering that that was a tough one and we're yeah. glad that you're here with us today well, and thank you yeah. we're giving the best wishes to everyone else yeah. that may be going through similar yeah. situations I remember the day it happens mm. yeah, I do too. Yeah, oh. wow well we're happy you're here <laughs> um let's see moving on so andy what's something no one really knows about you we're going to kind of lighten up the mood give me some good sure. juicy details good idea well <laughs> i tell them <laughs> 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 well, well, I would know that. By definition, <laughs> you don't know it. So, no. uh, <laughs> something that no one knows about me. Uh, that's a tough one. Uh, I think it's. I'm a nerd. Um, I, I kind of have this. <laughs> you like, are. I kind of have this like redneck persona uh, that I like to propagate. I like people to think that you know. Uh, that uh, I don't know. I use a lot of bathroom humor and I make inappropriate jokes and stuff like that. And I. I, I spit all the time and scratch, and when I play baseball, you know, I get, uh, same thing, I get dirty and I spit and I scratch, but in reality, <laughs> like, when I go home, uh, my house is filled with, like, classic books, uh, I listen to a lot of classic music, uh, I, I, I love, you know, classic artwork and things like that, so, but again, this is something not a lot of people know, and I'd like to kind of keep it a secret too you find classic for me <laughs> <laughs> classic literature yes because i look in your house i'm like i don't think that's classic <laughs> <at all." laughs> okay okay that's I, the persona okay <laughs> sure what I, what I should say is some of my favorite books are those that were published hundreds of years ago things mm. like that i love classic oh, and not hundreds of years ago i like jack london i love ernest hemingway and all that stuff but uh you know, just just as an example, uh, if I turn on the TV and, you know, there's a baseball game on or Jeopardy's on, I'll usually pick Jeopardy. Oh, my so. gosh. I love Jeopardy. Yeah, okay, good. Good. <laughs> we can watch so, it together sometime. <laughs> uh, so that, that's pretty much it. That I'm a nerd, I guess. That's that, that's good to know. Thank sure. you for sharing that. I'm not sure, sure how secret easy. it's going to stay. It wasn't but easy. Thank, thank you for bringing that out there. You got it. Got it. <laughs> awesome. Dave. Wow, mine's not nearly as moving as that one. Yeah. Um, I've not been without a dog in my entire, almost my entire married life. Of wow. wow. Right. That's but awesome. One, one, then two, then one, then two. Then mm -hmm. but They're your children. They're your fur babies. I've been without one, and I still, I'm on the fourth one now. You know what? I knew that about you. I did. Did you? Oh, yeah. No, you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I, I could have guessed it. <laughs> That's awesome. I agree. I love animals. They're such good companions. It wasn't planned. Like a lot of things, it wasn't planned. I can assure you. The last two weren't. I say they're not planned, like you. Get, but <laughs> an, an unplanned. They, they weren't planned uh, pregnancies, but um, parenthood. Yeah, they. Uh. It really wasn't, and there was a point in my life when I would have said on the second one, as the second one was aging dramatically. Mm -hmm. um, the second one, both these guys knew. Um, I would. I was like, that's it. 
Mm-hmm. I'm done for a while. Eh, it didn't work out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> good. Didn't work out that way. That's so good, though. You need a companion. And then, then, when there was, then there was two more, and it was like, wait a minute. Haven't we been here before? Or your wife could just bring one home anytime. That's not quite exactly how it happened. Um, but I will say um, the first one, the very first one, that, and this is something people don't know, was literally the best impulse buy of my life. Aww. My wife and I left the house to go Christmas shopping. We were newlyweds, had no money. Um, and like no idea what we're going to buy people. And this is back <laughs> when you went Christmas shopping. Nobody, you, you yeah. shop on the internet now. Yeah. Nobody goes. We went to North <laughs> Conway of all places. And then like dead end, dead end. I don't know what to get anybody. And um, walked into a pet store. And there was Hunter. So, oh my gosh, I love and that. And literally, <laughs> like, and this is no joke. We were kind of like, okay, what is it? Because he really was attractive. And I've been talking about getting a dog. That's what foresters do. We get dogs. And um, he was part lab, part um, Australian shepherd. We had oh. no idea what an Australian shepherd is. So we, so we went to the bookstore, read up on Australian shepherd. Sounds good. Went Aww. back, went home with a dog. No intention of getting a dog that day. That's so cute. Very it's cool. like reading a what so to expect when you're expecting book. That's right. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Nope, there was like we went to the Never bookstore read to read. <laughs> <laughs> you should read one. <laughs> Dumb door, like that sounds good. Do you want to buy that book? Nope, we're good. We got we, we needed. Oh, you're one of those people. Awesome. Huh? Put the book back. <laughs> that's and sweet. And so it's 100% impulse buy. Excellent. Best buy ever. Sometimes and those are the best buys. The 25 years, haven't been without one. Mm. Nice. Excellent. <laughs> Thank you. Wayne, so tell me, what's some juicy stuff about you? Well, uh, you know, it's not that no nobody knows about it, but there's, it's rare that people know. I don't even know if these guys know, but on occasion I write poetry. That's awesome. I did you know that, Andy? I did not know that about I you. I love okay. that. Nor, nor I would I have no guessed. Idea. I have been published, too. Is you have? Right? Yes, in the Stark um, Bulletin, you know, that they the, the yearly report. Sure. The last poem I wrote was about Jim Mike. Uh, he had the apple orchard. He was a select man. He was sure. a good friend of mine. So I wrote a, a poem called Apple Man, and they actually put it, you know, dedicated uh, that year to Jim Mike and put the poem in the that's in the annual report there. That's so great. I'm going to have to find some of your work. Me yeah. too. Yeah, that is so sweet. Being so the sensitive. Nerd that I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Just, just one of those things that doesn't get out there very often. But, you know, uh, every now and then I, 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 you know, where I find it, it's like I was thinking about writing poetry was hunting this year. It's mm-hmm. just, and you probably see it all the time, Dave, because you're in the woods all. I, I, I find it almost spiritual at times oh, sure. to be in the woods, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, just quiet, it's you know, by yourself with mm-hmm. your own thoughts, and whether it's rainy and dreary or sunny and uh, glistening off the light snow or just things like that 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 bring your your emotions and your thoughts in mm-hmm. tune with around mm-hmm. you, and it's just uh, it's something that connects the woods i think it connects the outdoors to us and i think it's Mm -hmm. it's part of our being and people that don't get a chance to experience that really need to they really need to get outside and 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 see what we're seeing whether it's a hike whether it's a bike whether it's just a walk in the woods that has no rhyme or reason um and i think hunting brings that to you yeah it's not people think so much about just killing animals and it's not it's about the whole experience i mean i had several deer in my scope this year and i didn't pull the trigger because it wasn't the right one yep and yet you know, it was just that, you know, it was part of me. We had a desire to continue to do what I've been doing. Yeah. So to be out there. Absolutely. And sometimes it wasn't very fun, you know, yeah, after sure. you get yeah. wet and cold and yeah. miserable <laughs> and you got but a two-mile hike out, you're like, Baby, that will, that will inspire a new poem. 
Or if you yes. harvest a deer and it's like 10 below oh. zero, then you, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I did that once. My husband and my father were at deer camp way away. So me, by myself, I had to take care of this deer. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, awesome. It was, good, it was good. Awesome. Yeah. It was good. I'm sure they were both very proud of you. They were very proud of me. And I'm like, this is what happens when you leave your daughter and your wife at home. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> I got to take care of myself. So you guys can't bring it home. So I'm going to bring it home. Good <laughs> <job>. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. My dad usually gets a deer almost every year. And so does it my husband. So <laughs> we have a competition going to see who can get the most deer, either me or my husband. And right now I believe we're tied. So oh, good for you. that can't, that nice. can't be okay. He has to try and get another one. Good for you. <laughs> wow. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. awesome. Andy, so now that we're talking about, you know, harvesting deer and things like that, can you tell sure. me a little bit about conservation? What does that mean to you? Sure. That's actually a great segue. Uh, so the conservation specific to my job is, uh, you know, obviously all of us are in the business of, you know, maintaining a resource uh, that, uh, that, that, that will remain, that, that's consistent, that'll propagate. Uh, but in addition to that, uh, we have users of that of that resource, uh, and that can be anything from, you know, e- something that's not very consumptive, like wildlife watching, or something that's quite consumptive, like killing a deer or cutting a tree. Um, mm-hmm. So the the conservation balance to me uh, is the really cool part of it, because uh, like I said, you have to to do your best, and it, and it doesn't always mean maintaining a resource at its highest level, you know, population numbers at their highest level, you know, right at carrying capacity. It means finding that balance between, you know, a- allowing people to use and appreciate on whatever level, you know, the resource uh, and maintaining it um, in a sustainable way. Absolutely. That was a good answer. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I don't know if these guys was, can top that was, it. That, that was, was pretty polished. good. <laughs> <laughs> Write that down. I know you recited that quite a few times. Can I move closer? Sure. <laughs> uh, Dave, how would you like to add to that? I would call it, um, if you take the word conservation, is the conservative use of landscapes by all, by everyone. Nice. Um, and it's kind of, again, we've been bouncing this around. We've all done it. Um, we're in positions to manage a resource of some sort, uh, whether it's fish, fish and wildlife, trees. Um, but look at the landscape. Look at what those things grow or live on. Um, and then think of, you know, we've discussed the people management end of this thing. Yes, that's the hardest part, but really that's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. Um, so in my case, I'm managing lands. Ownerships might be, you know, 30 acres in Stark, it might be 146,000 acres in Pittsburgh, um, or 10,000 acres in Randolph. Um, um, Many of those are landscapes used by everybody. Mm -hmm. So they have some sort of protection on them that allows for public use. But conservation to me involves use of some sort, um, managed managed use so we don't deplete resources, Mm -hmm. any of them, if if we can help it. Um, but that we get something out of that, and then that resource also contributes to the economic well-being of, of an area. So whether it's logging, fishing, tourism, snowmobiling, hunting, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. um, it's it's a conservative use. Um, but it is a use, and it's it enables those resources to still be natural on the landscape, um, awesome. but managed in some way. That's awesome. Thank you. Another great so, answer. Absolutely. You guys are awesome. Oh, he, he nailed it. <laughs> so so Wayne either gets to think about it and yeah. really tee <laughs> off on or sit there and go, oh, boy. Wow. I'm going to take it from a different angle because I always <laughs> I, I preach about conservation and because so many people think conservation is preservation. 
and I always try to divide that line. Preservation is keeping everything the same. It's not the wise use of the resource. Mm. And that's what conservation is, it's the wise use of a resource, using these guys as managers to, to create rules and regulations or though the environment that, that Dave's talking about by you know managing it, whether it's cutting trees, whether it's uh, planting trees, uh, on how to manage that. And then you know sometimes they create regulations which conservation law enforcement officers now have to implement because I always talk about the, the, the nonprofits that they have their charts that they help so much with uh, buying land and managing land. And I'm like, where's your law enforcement aspect? Because those are great things. But without law enforcement, right. th that's part of the whole management thing. And I, I kind of mm -hmm. preach that because I think it's left out a lot. So I talk about preservation and conservation and then implementing law enforcement into that and then educating the uneducated people about conservation because cities are growing in populations, rural areas are decreasing in populations. Mm -hmm. We need to find some ways like a podcast to reach these people so they can understand what conservation is mm -hmm. instead of preservation. Absolutely. That it's the wise use of these natural resources, that it's it's the harvesting of deer. And it's just not about killing a bunch of deer that we do when there's high populations and we hire a sniper to go in there and kill it, a bunch of animals. And, you know, it just, those are things when you can use it for hunters to, to get some enjoyment, to get some of our heritage out of it, you know, to reflect mm -hmm. back on that and then use that meat that is a wild source of meat and, and bring it back into our, our food. Um, I think it's a great thing. And, you know, just to show that difference between conservation and preservation. So that's kind of my theme. It goes, those guys are, they had awesome answers. I mean, no, I was glad you brought that up. That's an excellent point. Yeah. yeah. I just, you guys left me with nothing, you know, I was, <laughs> no, I, it's I, important. The credits were rolling after Dave finished. <laughs> no, was like, how am I going to bring this one out? <laughs> But to conserve and to use, you need to ha you need to have rules and regulations and laws. And for you know, most of us are just going to okay, that's the law. I just don't do it. But unfortunately, that's not always the case. Mm -hmm. And Wayne has had a career of not always dealing with the nicest people, and usually the armed, not nice people. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's unfortunate. That's mm -hmm. that's too bad. But that's you have to have that balance. I mean, you have Absolutely. to have, and often just a presence. Absolutely, you know, the, the Stetson and the presence um, <laughs> of some sort. And and it's it's the same with forest rangers managing or or doing law enforcement in, in timber harvesting. I mean, Absolutely. Just Absolutely. Unfortunately, yep. that's necessary um, mm -hmm. to make it better for to make it work for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, guys. That was an amazing answer. You guys really hit that one hard. Good job. <laughs> I think it's our passion that pushes it, too. That's exactly. what we do. It's part of us, and, and we like sharing it with people. Absolutely. I'm excited for all the people we're that are able to listen to this. We're in the woods a lot. We don't share. We don't, we, <laughs> we, right. We're in the woods yeah. with our fish and our trees, and we don't. Our dog. And talk. It might be a week here. That's right. You know? It's good. This is good. Open <laughs> up to me, please. The dog talks back, but you don't hear it. <laughs> oh, this is good. Thank you. Oh, great. <laughs> While we're talking about conservation, I know you guys are super passionate about it, and so am I. Can you give me an example of a typical day at work? Andy, go ahead. You can go first, please. Sure. Uh, I'll choose a day during my field season because in the wintertime, I write a lot of reports, uh, and that's not exciting for anybody, including me. Uh, <laughs> scientific reports, are they're important. Um, they summarize our findings. 
uh, and they're available for other people to, to learn from. Uh, but, but man, it's black and white. It's totally, you know, uh, objective. You don't use any adjectives or, I mean, it's scientific writing is boring. And unfortunately I have to do a lot of that in the wintertime, but it's kind of the culmination of my field season. So let's go to one of those field season days. Um, and, and whether it's, it's direct management, uh, or, or a research opportunity, most of my days involve somehow handling fish. Which is great because uh, fishing, you know, angling is a passion of mine. So most most days would start with me organizing the gear at the office. Uh, usually I'm waiting for one or two interns or summer helpers. It's strange that I'm always the first guy there, but as the old man, I guess it's it's expected of me. Uh, you look so old. You don't even have gray hair. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, you like some? <laughs> the, the interns will usually come rolling in around 8.30 where I'm sitting behind the wheel of the truck staring at my watch. Uh, and then we, then we head out into the field. Uh, but it's really important to make sure that everything is there before you go because, you know, once we get to where we're going, uh, if you don't have the, the right tools for the job, some, sometimes you can't accomplish the task at all. Other times you have to improvise. Uh, so um, whether it's uh, heading out and pulling nets or whether it's electrofishing or I anything, you know, a huge part of my job is getting my hands on fish. And th that kind of simplifies it. Uh, but uh, I I'm investigating the immediate health of these animals or I I'm trying to determine the success of one of my management strategies. Uh, for and, and sometimes, um, you know, we do mark and recapture studies. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll mark fish in some way in the spring, uh, sample them in the fall, determine growth rates, things like that. Uh, so most of my exciting days of field are in some way getting my hands on fish. Uh, and, and then, you know, recording data becomes important because it has to be uh, concise and accurate. Um, you know, it, it has to be uh, obviously legible. Uh, mm -hmm. Sometimes we're working in the rain. Sometimes we're working in the snow. Sometimes we're waist deep in the mud. Uh, it's important to get that data uh, and get it back to the office. So then at the end of the day, uh, equipment has to be put away. Often, you know, batteries have to be recharged. Uh, nets have to be hung out to dry. Boat motors need to be fueled up. Uh, and then the data needs to be put in some place where I'm not going to lose it, you know, because right. that's what I'm dealing with right now. I'm dealing with months and months of data sheets. Um, and, it, and it's important also to, to check them for errors. You know, as, uh, as you're putting something down, it's important to recognize a fish of a certain length is obviously going to be a certain weight. And if there's a glaring error right there, it's best to fix it right now uh, right. rather than rather than call an intern when he or she is back at school in the wintertime and ask them if they remember the details Ooh. of our <laughs> August 2nd trip into, you know, Boundary Pond or something. Oh, boy. Uh, so, yeah, uh, as a, you know, supervisor like that, it's, it's my job to make sure all that stuff moves smoothly uh, with, with precision and accuracy. Um, but still, it's, it rarely seems like work to me. Um, it's, it's fun, you know, awesome. and it's probably because of my, my reduced maturity level. But we laugh all day. <laughs> uh, we, we play games. We throw rocks in the water. Um, it, it's just awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Thank you for sharing. Sure. Having a high level of maturity is not necessary in these jobs. <laughs> <laughs> you got to have a good sense of humor. <laughs> you do. You do. Yeah. Dave, can you explain to me what a typical day at work is? Uh, so, again, a day in the office is, is not pleasant, so I'm not going to dwell on a lot of reports, a lot of management plans. Mm -hmm. but phone a lot of calls. I forgot to mention how calls. awful the phone calls are, Dave. Phone Sorry calls. to interrupt you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Having boy. worked in a state office, I know that story. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, but in the offices where, as Andy was saying, there's the culmination of and the summarization of many things. In my case, it'd be the writing of management plans, determining on paper um, what's going to happen on a landscape, specifically with 
you know, the, the, the best example being a timber sale of some sort, mm-hmm. um, you know, determining where we're going to cut timber on any landscape, uh, whether it's a, you know, a large, large ownership such as Pittsburgh, um, the Connecticut Lakes property, or a small 30-acre piece, or maybe, you know, the Randolph Community Forest. Mm-hmm. Um, if we manage that land, we determine, you know, where those logging operations happen, and then we have to do the paperwork to make a logging operation happen. The intent to cut, all the permits, the stream crossing permits, and um, there's a fair amount that goes into just putting yeah. skitters on the ground. Absolutely. Um, and and so forth. Um, and if you cross a lot of streams, there's a lot of stream crossing um paperwork that you need to do it's it's legal there's ways to do it ways to do it well um you need to document a lot of that in the woods it's making those things happen so it's it's marking timber to make sure you know the right trees get cut and determining within any stand it it depends it really depends what your what your objectives are you can meet manage wildlife management objectives you can meet timber management objectives you can meet both um but it's it's being in the woods marking those things flagging in the skid roads making sure that that when a logger hits the ground all he has to do is follow your roadmap on the ground he doesn't need to you know think about what i was thinking he needs to focus on his job which is cutting those trees sustainably um, cutting the ones we want and getting them out of the woods to market um, without you know a lot of issues whether it be water issues and so forth but that's that's where i'm supposed to be making sure they cross streams in the proper places with the proper crossing devices um the timber is marked appropriately um and there's sufficient timber in front of them marked to to cut to keep them going for day it's their work it's their livelihood um they can't show up to work and have you know no timber marked oh my gosh that would that would not be good (laughs) that's when you get a text that says hey i'm out of wood (laughs) Um, and and loggers know how to use text they may not find them in front of a computer but they know how to use text and they know how to use the phone yep Um, that's good though and then sometimes it's cruising timber to determine maybe next year or the year after where we're going to cut timber Mm -hmm. Um, so you're trying to plan a little bit ahead um, sometimes it's, sometimes you find yourself planning years out. Other times you find yourself planning like right in front of you. Like I had this immediate issue. Um, I was not expecting a January thaw. Ooh, I have, yeah. you know, three skitters going around this job and we have a January thaw. What do we do? Absolutely. Um, That's tough. And, and again, these are people who their livelihood depends when they show up, their mm-hmm. livelihood depends. So you just, you can't just run in and say you're done for a week, you know, cause they don't get paid for that week. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. So there's a little bit of a, again, the people thing, um, but mm-hmm. balancing that. But a lot of it's in the woods, you know, marking, making sure these these timber sales are set up, um, that the landowner objectives are met, depending on whatever their objectives might be, um, and making sure it's done properly. Absolutely. For sure. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> Wayne. I remember this question. Yeah. Give yeah. me an example of a typical day at work. But there I is feel no like typical there day. is no yeah. typical <laughs> day. There is no typical day. <laughs> if you you got to pick one thing. It'll be one, messed up. One thing of the 10 million things. <laughs> yeah. There's so much. And I'm a procrastinator, which is bad when it's oh, not typical because, no. you know, your deadlines are reaching out to you and all of a sudden you have a search and rescue mission that lasts four days or, you know, an investigation or a guy needs something or you have to address something then and there. Even as an officer, you could be pulled into another district for a search and rescue in another case, have an active case come up. So there really is no typical day. It all depends on which way the wind is flowing. I'll give you an example. Eric Fluett had first first day filming with uh, Northwoods Law Film Crew. 
first day. Oh, boy. Wednesday, it's raining. It's miserable. I said, Eric, what are you going to do with the film crew today? And he had some great ideas. I'm going to go. We're going to go seal some fur. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. So I'm like, great. Good luck. You know? And then he goes out. He checks some guy and two other people fishing. So the water's coming up. It's raining. It's a miserable day. Eric says, hey, be careful. Water's supposed to come up. Gets us all on film. Later, that individual ends up drowning. And we start mm-hmm. a four-day uh, search and rescue incident. So, yeah. uh, And I get called at like, you know, 2 o'clock in the afternoon that we have a drowning in Errol. And we that, that, that wasn't a typical day. That was just what happened that day. And it was the first day. And it was the opening thing on Northwoods Law, too. So Absolutely. it was highlighted. And just after that, it was just too funny because people kept calling me up and said, was that real? Was that real? I'm like... Yeah. Yeah, it was real. I mean, what what do people think? We make this stuff up. I right. was just like, and some close friends were like blown away. That they, they were like, "Wow, I didn't know you did that stuff." And I'm like, and you were so serious because I'm not a serious guy. I like to have fun, as you guys know. Sure do. Um, <laughs> but when it's a serious thing, you know, my job's serious, and uh, they get to see me serious a lot on film because th- that's when they were filming when things were serious. So, absolutely. Uh, but that was yeah, that was a typical day, all right. But it just changes, and and that's the best part of the job, that. You know, it, it can change, yeah. and it's not boring. It's not dull. The weather changes. The job changes. Absolutely. You know, go from fishing in the, you know, fishing uh, open water, fishing frozen water, yeah. um, mm-hmm. hunting season, ATV season, um, all kinds of stuff going sure. on. So Absolutely. Um, yeah, so there's no typical day. For good. sure. Quite a good variety. Yeah. Absolutely never boring. <laughs> mm, no. Um, awesome. All right. Well, thank you, gentlemen, so much for joining us today. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. It was great to be yeah. here. And also, please be sure to tune in with us next time, where we'll be with these men also talking about conservation job-specific questions. So dig in a little bit deeper. Thank you all for joining us again today. This is Whitney Lewis, your host for the North Country Conservation Series. This podcast was recorded at Flume Media in Lancaster, New Hampshire. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, check out our website, www.coascountyconservation.org and subscribe to our monthly newsletter for upcoming events. The North Country Conservation Series was produced in 2021 to celebrate the New Hampshire Conservation District's 75th anniversary. Thank you, Governor Krista Nunu, for honoring 2021 as the Year of Conservation.